Psalm 18 and verse 19. We go back there and it says this. I will love the Lord. All right. He brought me forth into a large place. Okay. So he's bringing you into a large place. You've prayed. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, what's that delight? He rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he recompensed me. He says, for I kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not wickedly departed from my God. For his judgments were before me, so I kept his judgment, and I did not put away his statutes from me. He said, I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Put up the Passion Translation, Psalm 18. Now, listen to what he says here. His love broke open the way, and he brought me into a beautiful broad place. He rescued me because his delight is in me. Now, what's that delight? For he rewarded me for doing what is right and staying pure. He says, I will follow his commands and never stop. I will not sin by season to follow him no matter what. He says, for I've kept my eyes, which means focused on his righteous words. So when they stopped following, they took their eyes off his words. I have kept my eyes, all right? And this is what's happening a lot in the body of Christ today. Where people are changing today, someone believes the doctrine changes his mind. It's because people didn't practice what they were taught by God. They practiced what they listened to other people. And so you get confused after some time. Now, the thing you really know is what you practiced when you were going through things. That you kept the word of God before you, and you were reading the word of God, and God showed you things. Do this, do this. Nobody can take that because he's engraving it upon the palm of the hand. That's nothing to do with the man of God. He's engraving. Look at what he says here. I've kept my eyes focused on his righteous word. I have obeyed everything he told me to do. So put the words before you and everything the scriptures suggest to you, obey it. The next verse there, it says, I've done my best to be blameless and to follow all his ways, keeping my heart pure. So you open the book before you and you keep your eyes on the book and you are reading and God says, all right, we've got into a particular place. You've met with a difficult neighbor. Now don't just act the way you feel you should act. Don't just do what you think you should do, right? Anytime you come anywhere and said, I'm leading you. I'm taking you through a path that you don't know. Read the book. Read the Bible. What you see inside the world, do it. So you heard Bishop um, Butler say this. He said, and that's what happened. He said he got to a place where his assistant pastor left and a lot of people left the church. And to survive that, in the history of the church, nobody survives, nobody survives when a church splits. It's like the body cracking into two. But he did something powerful. He said God told him, go back to your congregation, the little that are left, raise an offering for him, go and meet him, give him the offering, and tell him you love him and all of this, and pray for him and you can go. All right? Now, but he was believing God for something massive. So he came to a place, all right? And God says, do, now how did he see that? He must have opened the Bible one day while he was reading the scriptures, believing God. And he got to a point that said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully. And then the Holy Ghost will say, did I say use you 
She said, no. I said, despitefully use you. All right? I, they used you and dumped you. That people have come to say, terribly, they despitefully used you. All right? Which means these people treated you as scum and all of that. He says, pray for them. So he must have come there, and God says, this is the law I want to write in your heart. All right? And you're going to come into an experiential knowledge of me. Right? Love this person. Pray for this person. Now, it's not anybody that teaches you that. You are seated in your house looking at the book. And the book tells you this is what you should do in this particular situation there. All right? The book gives you an instruction. Right? Like a friend of mine said to me in England that there was a woman who was troubling them in the apartment, really disturbing them, and that she was going to give it back to her. And that the thought just came out. That's from reading the scriptures. That why don't you just pray for her? There might be something wrong. In her. And then she began to pray for the one. It was no longer even about whether she was disturbing them or not, or being a nuisance. Pray for her. Ask that. Can't you see that she's, she's alone in the house? You don't know what's going on. She might have an ailment. She might, and said, compassion just broke in her heart. And she started praying for her. And after she finished praying for her, and said, pray, the woman just changed towards them, started bringing flowers, and everything stopped. Now, that kind of person, all right, you can't come and tell her tomorrow that, you know, somebody says, well, she'll say, look, it may not work for you because you are doing what I did, but it will work for you if you open the Bible and it's what the Bible is telling you at that point to do will always produce results. So open the word before yourself, all right? And then look at it and what it suggests to you. It says, go and do that. He's writing the Lord. Put up um, um, that same place we were, Psalm 32, all right, verse 7 to 9 in the Passion Translation. Put this up. I see how powerful this is. Psalm 32 from verse 7. It said, Lord, you are my secret hiding place, protecting me from these troubles, surrounding me with songs of gladness. And that's why God said, they do always err and have not known my ways. All right, so they, they, they never entered my rest. So he took them by the hand. They got to a place. They didn't obey him. So he says this, surrounding me with songs of gladness. This is scripture we quoted. Your joyous shouts of rescue release my breakthrough. Say, well, yes, I'm been rejoicing, release my breakthrough, Lord. I rejoice today. Let the breakthrough come tomorrow. Now, but God continues and says this, pause in his presence. I hear the Lord saying, I will stay close to you instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way. I will lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. In other words, you start rejoicing, the advancement begins. He says, now you will come into different things. I will stay close. I will instruct you. I will guide you along the path of your life. Anything, check with the word of God. Let him guide you along the path. I will advise you along the way. I will lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be too stubborn. When I take you where you have not been before, if you are praying something you've never experienced, you have to go through things you've never gone before. Which means if you are trying to go to a place today on the earth, you've never gone, you are going to have to drive through places you have never driven before, you will see new things. So these are new experiences. 
So things begin to happen in the office. Things begin to happen with clients. Things begin to happen on your marriage. Things because you are moving to a new place. He said, now what you've got to do is this, to make it stay close to me. And every time you come to anywhere, I will advise you on what to do. I will advise you. Your victory is going to come by you following, all right? Once you are praising me, I grab your hand. I'm clearing the way. No enemy will be able to stand before you. But listen and follow me here. Follow me in what I'm saying here. You get to that point, all right? You have a neighbor who is pressing the horn every time you're about to sleep. And, and, and you want to go and tongue lash that person. And you open the Bible in your morning study, and you see things right there that say otherwise. That's what it means to love not your life unto death. That's what it means. The Bible says Jesus obeyed unto the death of the cross. That's what that's the third part of your victory. Obedient, even when it costs you your self-life. Which means you don't feel like doing this. The flesh doesn't want you, but that is what God says you need to do. He said, obey that. Put that back. He says, obey that. All right? And that's where many people fall through. All right? They, they, they do things. They, they say things. You say, I hold your hand here. Right? And he says, follow me. I will advise you along the way. I will lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. All right? It means you are getting stubborn. I will take you where you've never been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along, which means just come with me. In other words, don't make this a struggle. When you struggle with that and you are lingering on in your heart, and, and the Holy Ghost is telling you this is the right thing to do. He's telling you that that is not the right way to handle this. Don't just do what you think is right. You get into any major place, all right, uh, you say, uh, you know, someone does something, you want to curse the person. I, you, might, you, might, you might read that people are cursing people, but when you open the Bible and it says, curse not, curse not, bless, curse not, all right, you read it. You say, well, David cursed people. Now, now, you may curse and it may work because you can, if God says, speak to the rock and you strike the rock, water can come out. So the fact that water came out doesn't mean you did the right thing. So you may curse a person and say, I cursed my boss in the office and she was sacked. Fine. But God help you the day you to do something that is out of place. And there's a witch or wizard around who is in the business of cursing too. Then what you sowed, then you reap. All right? So you take it there. And, and I said, well, David did that. And I was studying some theology stuff there. And the, man, and the man is right. He said, look, many of these things you say, David, he did it in the office of a king, not in his personal capacity. Now, if you study David's personal life, you see, the things he did, it's just like a judge. Now, somebody's a Christian, come, let's just say, God forbid, the boy comes to this church and he's a judge. And then somebody in this church has a case before that person's caught. All right? And this person committed a criminal offense. And the person comes to church on Sunday, sees the judge, even makes the judge sit down properly. The judge sits well. Thank you very much. My brother or sister in Christ. Monday morning is time to judge. The judge must judge according to the law, not according to members of church. In other words, the law says you are going to be in prison for five years. All right? Bam! Take him. All right? Or sentencing is next week but you know it's five years imprisonment, all right? That person is operating as a judge. That person might see you 
in Sunday, the next, the next Sunday, greet you as a brother in Christ, but he is not operating as a brother in Christ, he's operating as a judge. Do you get what we're saying here? In court. So a police officer might be in the same church with a criminal. The police officer must take the criminal into the cell, even though they're in the same fellowship in church, lock this, him in the cell. Then he can, having done what the law says, then he can now do what the brother should do. I'll enter the cell to share with him and to pray with him inside that cell and break bread inside that cell. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because he's not doing it, all right? As brother, he's doing it as a police officer, all right? So there's a difference that you can now look at him and say, ah, are you not a brother in Christ? Can't you forgive him? The judge forgive him? No, 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 no. The judge, personal issue is not here. The judge must judge according to the law. There is no animosity. That is what the law says. You can't mix that. Now, in a personal space there, so you see David in his personal space saying he wanted to strike Saul and said his heart smote him. In his personal space, Abigail came to him and said, don't harm my husband. Don't avenge yourself. That is personal space. He withdrew his hand. But if it was battle for the nation of Israel, if there was a commandment from God in terms of fighting on national issues, that was different. So you open the word of God, all right, as you are rejoicing and praising him, Okay, you open the word of God and keep reading and keep following him and he's guiding you every step. So everything that appears in your life, right, is something God is saying, you need to, I need to write laws here concerning this. I need to teach you how to handle this. I need to teach you how to handle this. So you might, you know, be in business and one major investor left, God said, now let me write the laws concerning how you make decisions in things like this. So instead of just reacting, talking to me, you open the Bible, all right? Lord, open my eyes, and then it shows you things. Act in this way, act in this way, right? And you do that, right? Something happens, says, act in this way, do this, and you do that. And he begins to write his laws there, and that's how he starts guiding you one step after another to take you into, all right, the promised land. And he said this way, You've not gone this way before. In other words, you are going to see things, all right, that you haven't seen. And then it says your sins and iniquity, which is the last one, which means that where you have made mistakes, where you disobeyed what he showed you, and he tells you and exposes that to you, you disobeyed me here, confess it to him, and he says your sins and iniquity will I remember no more. Confess it, acknowledge it, don't harden your heart, just say, Lord, I missed you there. I should not have said what I said. I should not have done it this particular way. I should have gone about it, all right, in this particular way here. Go and meet him there, all right, and, all right, do that and confess. And he says, then let's go on, right? And then decisions begin, all right, to come. So he starts teaching you things. And that's where you begin to discover deep secrets about life, where he starts putting his wisdom in your inward parts. So by the time you get to the end, right, and you enter into the experience, okay, all the things he taught you on the way there is what you really are going to use. So manage that particular place, to hold on to that particular place, right? When we start talking about managing your way to victory, if the size of whatever you are doing doubles, all right, by 
people who have researched it by mathematical, exact mathematical equation. If you are running a business and the size of the business doubles from 100 clients to 200, the complexity in that business has multiplied 12 times, not twice, which means that many things are going to happen, all right, all right, where you need to. So you might be dealing with envy from friends, dealing with entitlement at the same time from workers, which means when you were at that level, there was no envy, there was no jealousy, there was no entitlement. Entitlement, envy, then you might be dealing with legal issues at the same time. Then you might be dealing, all right, with um, not even being, your infrastructure can no longer match up to, to the rate of your, so the complexity is there, all right, and that's why many people get frustrated and just say, look, and they're tired. So God has to begin to take you and teach you these laws and, and show you these things so that he increases your capacity so when you enter into that place that is much bigger than where you are, all right, you do not, that new place where you are doesn't bring about a complete, all right, collapse because every single decision counts. Every decision you make counts for something. Are you following what I'm saying? Every decision that you make as a person counts for something here. So you've come to a place where, where, you know, even if a person says he's in ministry and he can preach, and that's what they were telling, Jethro was telling Moses. He said the complexities that have come as a result of you leading the children of Israel out here, if you don't change the structure of what you are doing, not only are you going to die, the people that are following you also are going to perish here. So he had to tell him and change. And that's how God begins to. So as you are moving from one level to another, the complexities there are growing and he has to teach you new laws and cause things, all right, to, um, to be expanded there, teach you many things, on, you know, and how to do several things, okay? You, I mean, you, 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 could be, you could be used to doing things. That's what we're going to talk about, managing your way to victory, which means you have to manage your way to victory, all right? You, you are going to learn things, all right? You, you have to manage. You have to keep keeping your eyes open, getting feedback, making adjustments, managing yourself there until you know, full victory begins to come. Even though you have secured it in the realm of the spirit, it's just like what Jesus said. I mean, I mean, a friend, I taught this, and a friend of mine told me this. It was a young pastor. He said, he said I see something here. I said, what do you see? He said, do you hear what Jesus said? He said, every branch in me that beareth forth fruit, I purge it. And every branch in me that doesn't bring forth fruit, he said, he said it's almost like Jesus did not predetermine which branch would be fruitful or not. He just poured it out to everything and said, let's watch to see which one is fruitful and which one will not be fruitful. All right, now this is Jesus Christ. That did not say that I can choose which one will be fruitful from the beginning. He says, throw it out there and let's see which one works. And then he looked out and said, that's the one that is working, purge that. This one is not working or I put it back. So he said, you know what? He said, we have many ideas in our church. We're going to throw all those ideas out. All right, I'm not going to pray and say to myself, the Holy Ghost said this one will work. The Holy Ghost said that will work. He said, I've been doing that. I'm missing everything. Now, we will test all ideas. And then when we test all ideas, you know, you know, Pentecostal, you would think that that's not the way you should do it. You should come out and say, the Lord said to me, all right, there's no trial by error. What Jesus almost said is trial by error. <laughs> so, yeah, let all the branches go. The one that bears forth with will purge. The one that doesn't will remove. 
The one that bears the pot is the one that doesn't will remove. All right. And, and, and then he began, he said, I just saw that in the scripture and that's the way. So he teaches you his laws so that capacity is built and you are able to. All right. And he said, don't make it difficult for me. That's what God is saying here. He said, keep praising. All right. Stay in the place of prayer. Keep praising. He said, and then I will start teaching you. If you stop praising, then you've disconnected. You keep praising, which means my presence is there. You are holding on to my hand. But with that, I will teach you. So if you are going back to some troubled situation, don't do it the way you think you should do it. Right? That is holding back a manifestation in your life. Don't do it the way you think you should do it. I mean, I'll close with this. One of the most powerful stories I heard, Pastor Louis Johnson was saying this, how they built life for school. It shows you everything counts. Everything counts. I mean, you come to a place in your life that everything counts. Every little detail counts. Every way you respond to things counts. Right? And he said, it was how they get life out school. It wasn't that they had an open vision and God said, oh, go into schooling and all of that. He said, look, they were just there and they had a house help and they had children and the house help, and I mean, the house help was helping them and when they grew to a particular point, his wife said, what can we do for you? Should we buy you a sewing machine? You can start sewing business. And she said, look, I'm not interested in that. And then some other thing came up. There were people in the area that they were young couples and they were ha having trouble going to work with their So she said, all right, let's start a daycare center. And then she asked the husband, can you now help us? Oh, he said, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'm, I will do that. And he said, well, we'll pay you to be in business. Oh, yeah, yeah, I will do that. And they started the daycare center trying to help the house help. And that became Life Fourth School eventually. So they didn't know that. But they managed the daycare center properly until it grew and then became Life Fourth School, which is an international school, and they want to make it, build a university out of it. But it started from responding correctly to a house help, which means the way you, everything counts, the way you respond to things there, all right, pregnant, all right, with things. You might treat people in a particular way and go, and inside that person is locked into that particular person. What, I mean, a, 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 that's how you know the Lord. A wealthy man once got off the train, I was reading this, and his son asked him, he said, why do you give $100 bills to all these people that do things for you? He said, I have discovered. He said, maybe you will learn, but in my life I have discovered. He said, when I'm going to get vital information on things, it usually comes from these people you consider to be on the low end. They are the ones that suggest things that bring about great breakthroughs. They asked Hillary Clinton, how did your husband leave the surplus in American accounts after he was president? You know what she answered? She said, we will have strategy meetings with economists and powerful minds and said, my husband will come out of those meetings and see a janitor and say, excuse me, come, sir. If you are in a situation like this and break the American problem into a household thing, what will you do? He said, and the janitor will say, well, I will sell this and do that and do that. And he said, thank you very much. And in many cases, he will go and implement what the janitor said, which was pure common sense than what the sophistication that was going on. So that is why the Bible says, have you not seen that God has chosen to give the kingdom to the poor? Which means that a lot of breakthrough will come from, all right, suggestions. It might even just be the person driving you that says, ah, Oga, that person you want to employ, that person have attitude though. And he's saving you from 200 million that can be stolen. Are you following what I'm saying?
and somebody who has experienced that once knows that there's a law in life that those low people listen to them. So he goes somewhere else, they say something, he says, wait. This is how can you wait? wait. I'm telling you later. When suggestions come like this, from people down there, right, there's something Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we thank you for your word. By the power of your spirit, uh, I ask that you cause this truth to take root on the inside of us, expand it within our consciousness, and let there be fruit within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.